up, my fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my always amazing co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, hello, Gabriel. How are you doing, man? Happy Wednesday. I am good. It is hump day. We have had a busy weekend of mixed martial arts. We have another busy weekend coming up. And, of course, everybody's got their eye on the fights next week. So I'm really excited. But what about you? What's your fight week been like so far? It's been pretty chill. I actually, excuse me, I missed uh, Contender Series last night, so I might have to play a little bit of catch-up. But uh, there's been a steady stream of MMA news coming out this week, so it's uh, it's kept me entertained for sure. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of MMA going on. We've got a lot of fights bouncing all over the place next week. Uh, well, wait, no. Two weeks from now, we have Bellator, and then obviously next week there's UFC. So everything's moving along. PFL is uh, getting close to the end of the regular season. Then playoffs start. So you've got reason to be a little uh, overwhelmed. There is a lot going on as we enter the fall. The summer stuff is almost over. So now we're moving along. Let's get it right into it. UFC Newark. It was a you know a lot of people saying the depth of the card wasn't as strong, but you know, Sunday afternoon, middle of the day, everybody was talking about this fight. And for very obvious reasons, Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler, um, Natalie, more than anything, Colby shut down the offense of Robbie. He got Robbie thinking about the takedown. He stayed in his face and he made Robbie avoid cutting loose with the hands, trying to go for damage. Um, a little bit of a rally in the fifth, but not enough for Robbie. And then in the first round, great defense, but Colby just stayed on top of him, and he really just broke it down. Robbie was doing well, not really getting pinned down, um, getting back up, not taking damage. But Colby just kept up a relentless pace. And quite bluntly, I think we all expected that if Robbie gets a little distance, He's going to throw shots that really stop that forward momentum. That was not the case. Colby turned in a far more impressive performance than I think everyone gave him credit for. And now he's become quite the contender. I want your thoughts on the fight because Colby, the character, and the title shot is a whole other segment. So let's talk about your thoughts on the fight first. Well, to me, it was a very strange fight because I kept waiting, and I think everybody did. The commentators um, said as much as well kept waiting for Robbie to wake up, to, to put it in the next gear. At first, it seemed like, uh, I think Dominic Cruz, I can't remember who it was, saying maybe he's doing some rope-a-dope because he just kept, you know, bobbing and weaving, great head movement. And I thought for sure he's, he's got a plan. He's going to pull a Rocky, you know, Rocky Four, let Drago beat him up for a little bit and then come back once he's tired. But it never happened. It was super weird. You know, Colby did Colby, pushing up against pushing him up against the cage in rounds one and two. He didn't try it as much in the later rounds and, and was sort of happy to to stand there and, and throw punches with Robbie Lawler or throw punches at Robbie Lawler, I should say. I think he just wanted to prove a point. Like, I'm not scared. He's obviously scared of me because he's not firing shots. And I'm just going to keep, you know, working on my, uh, my hands here against Robbie's face. 
Now, nothing really hurt Robbie. It was like pity pat punches. Colby doesn't have any knockout power. Um, Excuse me. It was just kind of boring is not the right word. It was disappointing and underwhelming because I really thought Robbie would do something more. And as the rounds ticked by, I kept thinking, okay, he's saving it. You know, he's always strong in round five. If the chips are down, we can always count on him to to really step it up a notch, and he never quite did. And, uh, you know, Robbie was Robbie, and he just said, oh, I've got to go back to the drawing board, and that's it. But I, I, I am curious why he felt like he, you know, why he felt like not even giving it a real, real shot um, in the later round. Yeah, I think at some point you got to just decide to go for broke, but he never really did. Do you think that the wrestling of Colby, the first two rounds, really, really put Robbie on a, on on such a defensive mode? Do you think that was just all it was? You know, uh, when I think about it, I think the biggest thing, um, and I've never been in the cage for live competition, I have helped a bit, I have sparred a bit, and um, I think the biggest thing is that the presence, when you have someone really giving you that forward pressure like uh, Colby or like anybody, um, Clay Guida does it, um, obviously guys like Justin Gaethje do it, um, it can be very exhausting, and you do feel like, you know, you can't really just open your arms wide and swing and generate that momentum. Part of that was probably fatigue. Probably was, you know, he pick your poison. You'd rather at least, you know, keep him on the feet and feel like you're not really getting hurt rather than open up and have him take you down. And, you know, if you're Robbie Lawler, you're kind of picking the lesser of two evils. If you're going to be defensive in the position, you'd rather be defending him standing up rather than be on your back if you're Robbie Lawler, right? That's the only thing I can think of, but I think that it goes back to credit to Colby Covington. He did exactly what he needed to do, and he really just took away the offense of one of the most dangerous strikers that, you know, you could argue in the welterweight division. I would put him up there that physicality-wise, um, the only guy who really matches him or matches him really is Tyron and maybe Kamaru if they're really letting it go. I think that you know, tit for tat, Robbie Lawler is just a little bit ahead of everybody else. And that's the kind of performance Covington put on. And, you know, look, we saw the proof in the pudding. I'm with you. I thought even if it's a Covington win, it's a knockdown drag out. He takes the best of Robbie Lawler. He really didn't get hurt. He touched a few times, but you never saw him take a shot that was like, oh man, that did the damage. He never really took the that and that's credit to his performance. Let's get into the elephant in the room. (laughs) Okay, you know what? There's a lot of times to talk about the wider world. The biggest thing for me and the podcast is we're here to have fun. I love MMA. You love MMA. We want to talk about MMA. If fans want to talk to us or they want to be part of the conversation, talk about the things that, you know, on your drive, wherever you listen to us, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to have fun. Uh, let's say it honestly, though. Colby Covington has become something that no other fighter really has become, and I'll even include Manny Pacquiao. He has become very political. And it's not just the hats. It's not just, you know, let's say like it is. The fact that he did have the first family, I do believe Donald Trump called him. I'll be honest. I've heard some people say, well, it could have been anybody on that phone talking to him, right, and he could be acting some more. I do believe Trump called him. I think if the two sons are there, 
yes, the president of the United States did just call Kobe Covington. I'll give you that. This makes him such a unique character that I think that we really even ever had before in the UFC, and that's saying something. And it's, the whole thing has played out so uniquely. So one of the examples I want to give you, all week they've been saying Kobe Covington is controversial. Kobe Covington is hated. You notice they did a lot of tell, not show. ESPN never aired him calling Brazilians filthy animals in Sao Paulo. They never showed the tweets of him talking about Mike Perry's wife. They never, you know, a lot of tell, not show. And it's like, that is the kind of level he's gotten to, though. He's been so controversial that the only way to even talk about him is to say he's controversial. ESPN on network television can't show you what he's done. This is very, and I said, look, um, on the one hand, he's done some stuff. There are times he's genuinely funny. I did laugh when he called him Ralphie Dos Nachos. I'll admit it. I thought his walkout was very well done. But he's got so many black eyes that he's done where I think he took it too far. And, yes, it's the fight game. But what is the point? It's like the joke works when it's funny. If it's not funny, then isn't it just an – isn't it, you know, just not working? I feel he's crossed that line often. And – um. And so I've always said, look, you know, he's got to, you know, just like Habib and Connor can't be talking about religion. That's just making people uncomfortable now. I think Colby has to rein it in. He has been relatively better. The Matt Hughes one was another too far one, if you ask me. But Matt Hughes took it well, and I don't think that should give him a pass. But he's become such a unique character. But what it boils down to is he makes, he is polarizing. If you say you dislike him for the stuff he said, I can't, you know, blame you. But the fact is, he's now become a unique character that even though that fight was not more exciting than a five-second Jorge Masvidal flying knee, he is now got you more interested. The idea of the political angle and all this is so unique that it does get him that title shot, if you ask me. Yeah, I think he does get that. You know, he's the, I think the Trump angle is, is probably one of the bigger reasons why, because, you know, Dana White's buddies with, with uh, our president, and I bet they would love to have either the first family back in attendance for Colby's title fight or even, even the president. I mean, it's entirely possible in this world that we see Donald Trump at a UFC fight in 2019 or early 2020 uh, for Colby Covington. So there's, that's that's an easy one for the UFC, right? For whether you know anyone beyond Dana White agrees with with the politics or not, it's an easy marketing uh, strategy that's just been fed to them. So yeah, Colby is super to me, super obnoxious and and um, you know polarizing is the the most diplomatic way of describing him. And I I do you know I do always fall back on. They're just words, and this is fighting. Like, they're going in there and punching each other, causing real damage to their bodies, to their brains. So why are we getting up in arms over words? If, you know, if, we're, if we have the guts to watch fights, we should have the, the, the guts to be able to listen to some silly banter back and forth. But I do feel because... Of the times we're in, it would be nice to be a little more sensitive 
however, good luck getting any any kind of change out of him. You know, clearly it's working. So why uh, why mess with uh, with the recipe? I'm still not a fan, but it's hard to deny what he can do in the cage, right? Yeah. He has that cardio that nobody else has. And even if he's not going to hurt you, he'll just wear you down, wear you out mentally, physically. And what I do wish, okay, going back to his mic skills, I think if for as for as effective as he is, he often stumbles. And I feel like he just needs to practice a little bit more in the mirror because every time <laughs> he, he gets caught up in a word on a, on a sentence that he memorized, it reminds us that he's, you know, writing this stuff out or pre-planning it, memorizing it. It's not very natural to him. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, man, then really do it. Go take an acting class or something or, or just really practice in front of the mic so you don't mess up. Cause then, cause I then think Tyron Woodley would really agree with you there. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And uh, and um, some of the stuff makes me chuckle, like when his, you know, he carries a bottle of water that says nerd water on it or he talks about, like, Nerds and virgins in the basement or whatever. Okay, that's funny. And um, I, I mean, that's that's where I gotta leave it. Let's let's see. I still think, despite what he's the, the distasteful things that he said, um, you know, it could get worse, and hopefully it doesn't. So we'll leave it at that. Not my favorite fighter, but you know, he shows up and he fights. So what more can you ask for in some in some in some regards, you know? What was your reaction to him and the open workout with the girls and all that? It's like an eye-rolling reaction. It's just like, okay. The thing that it does is, and, and so I, I won't speak too much on it because it just makes me roll my eyes, and what it makes me do is not want to watch, uh, not want to listen. So, you know, his audience, I'm not his audience. Um, I'll tune in a little bit, but once he starts rambling and ranting and just, again, going back to him not being very natural on the mic, like it's, it's too staged, it's too... Do you, um, th- you feel like he becomes a caricature of a character, right? Like yeah, he does. And same three sound bites, the virgin, his cardio yeah, with his virgin. girls, something like that. He goes to, to like the same three or four, right? Yeah, and it's like if you're a comic, a stand-up comic, it's like if you just keep doing the same routine over and over and over and over again. You got to mix it up. You got to add new material. So yeah, add some new material. Practice in front of the mirror, and um, you know what would be really funny is if he, like in wrestling or like in soap operas, if this is you know this is the line that he's following, then they always have turns. Um, you know, soap opera or wrestling, they do you know from bad guy to good guy and back and forth. It would be kind of funny if all of a sudden he turned into a good guy, uh, or if all of a sudden he developed a, a different alter ego, like you might see in soap operas. I mean, he, if he wants to have fun with this and really go for it, there's plenty of material there. So get creative, I guess, would be my uh, <laughs> my one tip for Colby Covington. I mean, I, I saw that, and the first thing you know, I, I watched it was like a three minute clip. Uh, I remember the girl in the orange is the only one who earned her paycheck, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, you're really doing this to us, bro? Okay. Um, look, once again, he does it because it's like, yeah, he really did do that. That's the only reason he did it. And, um, you know, whatever. Okay. Like, it makes it very interesting. The fight with Kamaru stylistically. Kamaru, I think that... um. 
if the output isn't as high, he definitely carries a lot of the same weapons. Um, not really the biggest on firepower, at least showcasing it as often. But I just see him as a bit of a bigger, maybe not as high-volume Kobe Covington in terms of what he's able to do. And athletically, I'm very gifted as well. So I think it's a very interesting fight. Um, I know they've talked about the MSG card, Kobe with the stitches he's got to do. They're pushed, he said December preferably, but... Uh, I think they'll make it happen. I wouldn't be surprised if you like a co-main to a John Jones or somebody in December in Vegas. But I think that we'd all we're all probably expecting the Madison Square Garden card to happen for him. And yeah, you know that's where we're also not for nothing. But when I watched him, he has his interim belt when they're reading the decision. I'll say this: Colby Covington, he should have had his coach put the belt on him as they read the decision. Like when he's actually, you know, when he's a champion, I saw that and I was like, bro, come on. You've made it all 98% for the two steps. Come on now. So, yeah, you know. See, that's a great point. I challenge you opportunity. to be better. How about that? Yeah. If you're going to do this whole song and dance, like, yeah, be better. Be more thoughtful. Be creative. Be more intelligent about it. You know, because it's like hit, hit and miss and, and, and cheesy and, yeah, repetitive. So, I would like to see yeah. more effort from Colby Covington on the uh, promotional side. Yeah, I hear you. But, look, there's uh, other stuff going on on the card. Um, a lot of guys getting put to sleep on that one. You know, I know they kind of they want to give Herb Dean a little bit of, you know, grief on that one, and rightfully so. You don't want guys falling to sleep, you know, at all, if, and not often. But, um, look, I mean, just – you know, more exciting than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. A lot of good chokes. Um, Jim Miller, Clay Guida, who saw that coming? I thought that was going to be a drag out. So, good stuff Seriously. for the UFC. All right, so a lot of stuff going on in the world of MMA. But, of course, we have a the segment that's been dominating our show for the last few weeks. So, I'm going to let somebody else talk to you about it. <laughs> I thought this was a new permanent segment, Cyborg Nation, right here. <laughs> um, yeah, I know you're thrilled, and I think, I think, fingers crossed, this will be the last time in a while, uh, upcoming while, that we have to talk about Miss Chris Cyborg and the UFC. But as uh, the news is, is already a few days old now, Dana White released her from her contract with the UFC and uh, released her to, the, to such a degree that she no longer is beholden to that three-month negotiation period where the UFC gets to match or, you know, many, match any incoming offers. They're straight up hands washed. They're done with her. So I won't get into Dana White's point of view or Chris Cyborg's point of view. That's out there, and it's a little bit, you know, we've, I think we've heard enough from both of them. I'll say this. I'm relieved. It's like being the child of bickering parents who ultimately, for the better of everybody, get divorced. And this is what this feels like. It's like, okay, now we can move on with our lives. UFC doesn't have to talk about her, uh, think about her. Dana White doesn't have to talk about her anymore so long as, you know, people stop asking, which I hope they do. Cyborg put out her statement. The next news we hear from her is going to be whoever she signs with. And that's it. I think this is good. I think everybody basically got what they wanted. Cyborg will have more control of her brand, of her income, and 
potentially, ideally, of, um, you know, working with a respectful promoter. And Dana White will be free of Cyborg, who he seems to have um, no, who has a lot of ill will towards her, at least nothing good to say. So we'll say, we'll leave it at that. I'm glad UFC is out of the Cyborg business. I'm glad Chris Cyborg is out of the UFC business. Let's move on with our lives. What do you think? At the end of the day, Cyborg wasn't interested in a long-term deal. She was interested in a fight with Amanda, but you ask her, she never gave an indication she was interested in another long-term contract. Um, the, Dana was never going to let her possibly beat Amanda Nunes and ride off into the sunset. And in the event of selling that and building that and negotiating, they took each other out of context, and it's kind of... Um, broken you know things deteriorated to the point where i'm watching that and i hate to say this but that video with laura Sanko was promoted as um you know an update from dana white no that was that was that you know everyone understood that was his platform to address chris cyborg without you know making it sound like yeah this is all to take aim at chris cyborg i think everyone saw that so Look, if it's truly that bad, you know, like you said, they are done and I'm okay with it. I think that we there's nothing new I can say about that, and that's where we're at. Um, I did see Cyborg's tweet that Dana is talking to her management team today. I don't know what they'll have to say to each other in the event that we enter the Twilight Zone and they announce tomorrow that Cyborg Nunes is happening in January. I will discuss it at a time where I feel like I'm ready to turn my head back around because right now it's been like, man, what day of the week is it with these two? So Yeah. That's I all I'll that say about it. Thought, no way. I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's gotten, it's like, I don't even know what to say. It's like, yeah. it, it seems like, I'll say it. It seems like she don't like him, he don't like her. Okay, let's just call him, you know. Let me come pull my macaroni out of the microwave and put it on the table, Natalie. The goose is cooked. Yeah. I think that's this it. This is done. We're calling this macaroni. Yes. With extra <laughs> cheese or regular cheese, though? Extra cheese, baby. Extra cheese. <laughs> extra cheese. Okay, I'm with it. Let's talk about the fights that we can't get excited about. Madison Square Garden, November 2nd. Black Beast is coming back from that procedure to fix his ACL. He fought Dos Santos in March. Ivanov has impressed a lot of people. He's on back-to-back wins, including beating tight to Ivasa. What are your thoughts on this fight? This will be fun. I want to see what Derek Lewis, how he looks. He's sort of, you know, kind of hit or miss. Sometimes it's very exciting. Sometimes it's very boring. And the personality is always, is always entertaining. The fight performance always not so much. So I'll keep it short and simple. I'm excited, and uh, Derek Lewis, I think, is the one who has more to lose here. Um, yeah, I mean, he was not that long ago fighting for the championship, right? And uh, I think if he's in good health, if his body is working for him, we've seen that he can be very athletic. He can throw some jumping kicks. He can um, move around, even though we just sort of know him for being that knockout guy. So I really, really, really just want to see what kind of shape he's in physically. And if he's in good shape, then 
I'm looking for a surprise performance from Derek Lewis. But if not, I mean, he hasn't proven to be really – if he's not feeling well, it's really hard for him to put on a good show, right? We've seen that. So yeah. I want to see a good fight, and I want to see a healthy Derek Lewis. I'll leave it at that. I agree. Um, a lot of people sleep on Blagoy, and I get it. He kind of gets that Andy Ruiz treatment, his UFC debut. He didn't have the best photo next to this just, you know, shredded Dos Santos and all that, and – the promotion kind of felt, I feel like, you know, he didn't get a good shake the first time around. He's looked good. He's looked impressive. I think that a lot of people sleep on the fact that he's very durable, throws out a high clip, you know, great cardio for a heavyweight. Um, so I think that a lot of people sleep on him. Derek Lewis is obviously a guy everyone knows. They know the power. They know what he brings. The mic skills, obviously. Um, like you said, big more to lose for Derek Lewis. Big chance to break out if you're Blagoy. And I think that he has all the skills to do it. Obviously, getting in there with a guy like Derek is another challenge. But he's shown that he can hang with guys of his caliber. So I think this will be a more exciting fight than a lot of people are expecting. I think that people will be pleasantly surprised when they watch it play out. Moving on, that card is getting a lot of action. Johnny Walker making his comeback against Corey Anderson. Johnny is coming off that quick finish of Misha Sukhanov. More importantly, that fight where he had that now infamous worm that shredded his shoulder. Anderson, three-fight win streak, but he hasn't fought since December. Dana White even mentioned that Anderson has turned down a lot of fights since then. There's also obviously that video that came out a week or two ago with Corey Anderson confronting John Jones at a fan meet and greet. Before we talk about the title picture, what are your thoughts on this fight? Because it is a sleeper as one of the better fights we've seen at 205 recently. I love me some Johnny Walker. I'm excited to see him. I still shake my head every time I think about the way he injured himself post-fight doing the worm. It's just like, oh, my God. And I wonder, I hope this isn't like a permanent um, – you know, plaguing injury, nagging injury, I should say, something that will affect his mobility, his um, his entertainment uh, value in the cage. Probably not, but it's just something I'm worried about. So I'm excited to see him. Corey Anderson doesn't get me that excited, you know, just in spite of being away for, you know, a while. He His last three fights, I should say, in spite of having three wins, they've all gone to decisions, so not the most thrilling. Johnny Walker is the complete opposite of that. So I'm rooting for Johnny Walker here. Um, as far as uh, what happens if they win, I don't know. That's tough to say because I, I want to see what um, what Weidman and, and Dominic raise, how they look when they when they fight each other. So. Yes, um, jumping the shark a little bit on me, but for sure, I think. <laughs> sorry, that, um, sorry. It comes, no, no, no. You're good. Uh, I think it comes down to how does the winner look. I could see Reyes wins. I wouldn't be surprised because Reyes is on that run, and I'm sure the Chris Weidman fight would be, uh, you know, depending on the performance, I think that he doesn't have to look too bad to get a title shot. I think if Johnny Walker does Johnny Walker things, that could make more interesting. Um, and then it depends on the calendar. Uh, it, do we get John Jones DC3? Does something else happen? 
let's say Stipe beats DC next week and John Jones decides he wants to move up to heavyweight. What's going to happen? I think that all of that, we're going to have to wait and see what plays out. We'll definitely get more answers after next Saturday, but I'm with you. I think it depends on how does everybody look after their respective fights, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if a Johnny Walker win really does put him right there. Even if it's one more fight before a title shot, I could see that happening. He's just He's got that X factor. Um, let's be honest. We all wish we were feeling ourselves the way he does when he goes to work in the cage and dancing like that. If I was, if I had a job that made me dance that much when I'm about to do it, I would be a happy man. We all get it. We get the appeal of him. But yeah, no tough fighter, perennial contender. This is a good test for him. Um, in terms of the actual fight, the wrestling is the big factor. This is somebody who's not interested in standing and banging with Johnny Walker for the sake of it. How does Johnny Walker handle it? If he gets put in bad positions, how does he react to it? This is a big test to show you, can he be that guy to fight a guy like John Jones with all his weapons, to fight the guys at the top level like your Anthony Smith, Thiago Santos, etc. That's what we're going to see, and I think that that's a good test for both men. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been, every time we talk about this division, I always, I always want to mention Johnny Walker because I wish he would just get his um, title shot already. Obviously, we had to wait. He's just lower on the rankings and he was injured and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely, I hope this catapults him to the top of the list. Why not? I mean, he would be the most exciting um, style-wise matchup for Jones. But of course, remember he did just show up. He just did contender series last year. (laughs) (laughs) He did, but you know what? If anyone can do it, it's him. He's not the type of person where I feel like you know, like when you look at like a Sage Norcutt or someone, where they push them too fast, too soon, uh, sorry, too fast, too hard. This guy, I think, can handle it. Just don't let him celebrate too hard. But I think he can handle the uh, the the fast track for sure. You let that man dance, Natalie. Uh, Johnny Walker, if you're listening, I know you're a big fan of the show, Johnny Walker. You keep dancing, man. You don't let anyone keep your feet on the ground, if you ask me. That's what I think. Don't let the haters stop you like Natalie Zamudio over here. No, just kidding. I'm trying to put, um, him, in a, I'm trying to put him in a straight jacket as soon as the fight's over. <laughs> you know what? You're trying to put him in Diego Sanchez's little box. You cannot put these guys in the box. Oh, uh, yes, in box. that tiny, tiny box. Yes. <laughs> yes. Seriously, man, that guy is tall, let me tell you. I talked to him, and that was one of the few fighters where I, like, really had to turn my neck up. He is just, he's a tall athlete. It's very cool. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, we did have some other action in the MMA world. Let's take a jump across the ocean Two, you know, one F. Sorry, one championship. Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, both of them looked good in their fights. Eddie had one of the, you know, people are calling it the more exciting fight of the weekend, and Demetrius Johnson continues his run in one championship. Both of them are now in the finals of their respective tournaments. Um, just let's revisit this. You've seen the clips. You've seen the action. What did you think of their fights for their second fights in one? So full full confession here, I've been a, it's been an interesting week for me, and I haven't caught up. But I will say this. 
I'm super, super happy and, and very relieved that Eddie Alvarez came back against a tough opponent. I mean, this guy is no joke, former champ, and that he he did what he had to do and got a, a nice finish. So that makes me that makes me wear a big grin on my face. I'm happy for him. I liked his his uh, his social media post after. You know, sometimes it takes some thank, you know thanking his fans for not giving up on him, for not turning their back on him. Yeah, we have to think about the fact that even though he's a season he's a season veteran, it's still a big change, and we're human beings. And you have a, when you make a big change in your career, sometimes it takes a little while to warm up. It was a lot of things to get there are a lot of things to get used to fighting in a different country, all the weight, um, the differences in the weigh-ins and the hydration, and you know fighting probably a, a bigger dude than he's used to at, at his weight class. So, in any case, super happy for him. Happy for Demetrius. Like I feel like these guys are part of our our family, and they're going you know overseas to fight. I know they're not UFC fighters any, anymore, but I still sort of feel like they're representing for the UFC in some weird way. So uh, I'm just thrilled that they're continuing their success in one championship. Yeah. No, I hear you. I- uh, yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, I think that uh, for a lot of fans, right? We we recognize them. We know them in um, you know, and so when we watch them, they're a great gauge of the talent and everything else for one championship. Or when you watch guys go to Ryzen or something like that. So I, I agree with you completely. I don't think that's a incorrect statement to make for a lot of fans who are following them now. I think that this is very interesting because um, they perform well. Eddie, um, I mean, he kind of showed you why he's the guy who survived um, RDA and Bellator and Michael Chandler to become a champion in both orgs, right? You know, he just, a lot of heart, but he came out there and showed you the guy that you've been used to seeing, Demetrius, handle business the way Demetrius does, really. And I think that they're looking good. I think that what's coming up now is, I think for one championship, you see Bellator did it. You're hoping PFL does it. And I get it. There's not, you know, it's not an NBA free agency market. (laughs) Let's be honest. You want more guys and girls that you can, you know, that you're used to because you want to see just how good the other competition is. I think fans like the idea of that, you know, mysterious competitor from across the ocean, even though a lot of them train in the U.S. Um, coming in and it's like, oh, there's a new player been added to the game at the top level and watching them face a guy like a Demetrius or an Eddie is the way that you're going to get introduced to them. I think that just letting, just Eddie, DJ, and Sage is not enough. I think that maybe a little bit more free agency will help because at the end of the day, it's about names. And as we get more familiar with them, as we get introduced to their skill level and we see hey these guys are legit you are going to be more on the you know invest championship and through eddie and dj especially that's going to be part of it i think they're looking good i'm looking forward to their finals and if you're one championship the thing that everyone understands similar to bellator there's less drama behind the scenes it looks like and the checks are good and people forget, Asia is bigger than the United States. There are millions and millions of people out there. 
that are ready to embrace you wholeheartedly for fighting in their time zone. So I think that that is another reminder that, hey, this is a new kind of game. UFC is the big fish, but there's a lot of serious tuna out there. So I think that that's going to be the big thing. That's what we learned from uh, Friday's uh, performances in one championship. Yeah, I like I like that. There's a lot of big, there's a lot of tuna out there. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I started talking about macaroni, and now I have all my metaphors lined up. I love it. <laughs> you know, moving on to the rest of the action, we have a lot of good stuff going on. We have somebody you are very fond of. She's making a quick turnaround after June. Valentina Shevchenko taking on Liz Carmouche in what is set to be an exciting contest. Uh, Natalie, talk to me about this one. How do you see it going down? Well, anytime Valentina fights, even when she fought Jessica I, and it was like very clear that she was going to win, no one expected her to destroy Jessica I that quickly in that fashion. But I still get nervous every time she's going to fight because she is, as you know, one of my favorite fighters. And, and Liz Carmouche just has this physique. You know, I'm sure she's super nice. She seems like a very, very nice, humble person, but she looks like a, her figure, her physique, was very threatening. She's so built, so muscular, and that you know, menacing, menacing look in her eyes. Uh, so it makes me nervous. She's an amazing grappler. <laughs> she's training with the Limalay. She's doing that underwater stuff. All these factors add to my anxiety as this fight approaches. However, I still feel Shevchenko... And when I think about all her fights, is always um, intelligent, aggressive, but also very cautious. You know, she's not going to – she never charges in. She's a counter-striker. But if she sees the opportunity to finish you, she will. If not, she'll just outpoint you for five rounds and, and keep her belt. So I expect however Karmouche comes after Shevchenko, that Valentina Shevchenko will find a way to win. I don't see her knocking uh, Karmouche out with any kind of uh, punch or kick. I doubt she'll submit her, so I think this could go five rounds and uh, go Shevchenko's way, unanimous decision. What are you thinking? Definitely. When you talk about uh, the flyweight division for the women, if Valentina's number one at the which is arguably right there in terms of that quality, just a very powerful athlete coming down from 135. And uh, I, I think that that's the thing about Liz Carmouche is a lot of people, if you remember her 135 run and yeah she lost to a lot of tough people Rhonda, misha etc um i think that you forget that she was giving up a lot of weight and i i really you know she's just a little undersized for the weight class and like we see with uh max holloway and frankie edgar that little bit at the top level is really key sometimes i think at 125 she's really more comfortable what i've been told from people who have with her and work for, with her is that top of you, she is absolutely strong. She feels like a mountain on top of you. That is how good her ground game is. Training with Alima, who's a great grappler, Pearl Gonzalez over there at 10th Planet San Diego. So she's got a crew with her. For Valentina Shevchenko, at the end of the day, we know what she brings. So many weapons. The cardio. Um, her striking, um, I'd say it's the best. And then uh, grappling, she's no joke. She's a very competent grappler. You could tell that she puts in a lot of work, so she's not one-dimensional. She has multiple weapons to threaten you from. All of that is why she's so favored in a lot of these fights, right? 
I think that what it's going to come down to, once again, is the physicality, similar to Kobe and uh, Robbie. Liz Carmouche, get in the face of Shevchenko. Get her down. It doesn't have to look pretty. You just have to maintain top position, steal rounds, do damage, make it exhausting, make it frustrating. That's going to be how you get the job done, and that's how you get the upset. For Valentina, you do what you do. Pick your spots, use your footwork, keep her on the outside, pick her apart, avoid getting pinned down on bottom. And, you know, common sense says that Valentina outpoints her for five rounds in that scenario. I know she get you get another highlight reel knockout, but, you know, maybe do some damage, maybe set it up later in the fight. I think a fresh Carmouche is going to be very tough to put away. But, yeah, once again, I think it's a very competitive fight. I think when you look at the flyweight division, if Liz Carmouche can't give her a run for her money, then it's very hard to see someone else doing it. Um, Caitlin Chukagian is right up there, but I think, once again, the athleticism really favors Valentina, and that's a big factor. So I think that it really comes down to that for um, Liz and Valentina, is the physicality. Can Carmouche shut her down? Because otherwise, it's a long night against Valentina, but... I see a decision, too. I think that Liz Carmouche doesn't go away quietly either. All right. Well, we're almost there. Let's see what happens. We can talk about the uh, the outcome next week, and hopefully uh, hopefully, I'm smiling. Of course. I mean, you got to send good vibes. I mean, the sister did a good job. We're on a roll Dude, here. I think you got to remember Anthony that. Anthony did great, just to sneak it in real fast. Uh, <laughs> she did amazing and uh, finally we got to see, you know, they, they both have demonstrated this where they start off slow, their UFC career, sort of hesitant, feeling not the scene, if you will. But Antonina finally put it all together and proved that she has, um, uh, has is, a, is a mixed martial artist now, not just a grappler, not just a striker, I should say. So I was impressed, and I look forward to what she has to bring. And Shevchenko's got to be riding, Valentina, I should say, has got to be riding high, seeing her sister win, so hopefully that energizes her even further on Saturday. We'll see. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be a good one. It's very fun. Um, I think the flyweight division is moving along well, and that's very exciting. Um, And we'll have more fights coming up, too, to talk about. Next week, we have a very big pay-per-view. You could argue it's even bigger than the one we just got through. Daniel Cormier... Stipe Miocic, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz, and Yo Romero, Paulo Costa. A lot of action, a lot of fun stuff. Natalie, talk to me about this card. What are you looking forward to talking about next week? Dude, this is such an exciting card. It's going to be hard. I can't pick just one, right? Um, the, the, the last three fights, Yoel, Pettis, Cormier against Stipe, Diaz, Costa, I mean, come on. Those alone are worth the price of the pay-per-view. Um, because I love Nate Diaz um, and Pettis, I guess that would be my favorite, but there's so much more on the line for Cormier. He has the most to lose out of anybody in this whole card, on this whole card, because everybody knows he's going to retire. And, um, you know, if he doesn't win this, then it just gives John Jones more ammunition. So, so yeah, I, I'm excited for the, for the whole, the whole shebang. You know what, uh, for me, um, 
it, it's Nate Diaz. You kind of, uh, I'll be honest, like usually by now we've talked about Nate Diaz a lot. We haven't really had to yet. It's been a very quiet Nate Diaz fight coming up, and I think that that's surprising a lot of people um, in the next few days for fight week. Uh, besides that, yeah, the main event, a lot to talk about. Can Stipe, you know, kind of undo everything that DC did last July? Uh, for my money, though, Yo Romero, Paulo Costa, there may never be two more muscular middleweights ever in that cage. I mean, you're talking about two guys who have never skipped a weight room practice, and I think it's very funny because this is going to be the only time they take on a guy, I think, physically as big as the other. So that makes it very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of interesting matchups down the stretch. And, um, yeah, for my money, the Yoel Romero fight and the DC Stipe fight, those are going to be the most intriguing. Nate Diaz-Pettis, you know, once again, it's Nate Diaz. You really never know with the whole family. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next, and I think it's going to be good. But all of that is next week on top of our UFC Uruguay week recap. Natalie, where can the fans keep up with you on, on social media until then? Well, they can keep up with me on Twitter at my new handle, same, same account, just changed the name. I finally was able to secure my full name, Natalie Zamudio. I just had to add the underscore at the end, so at Natalie Zamudio underscore on Twitter and uh, the straightpunch.com for the MMA content. I was going to say, you couldn't find that Zamudio Rama one to take your account back, huh? You couldn't give her nope. that, you know. that person who doesn't go on Twitter just still has it. I think they live in Chile or something, and, well, they'll just, I hope they enjoy it. <laughs> the disrespect. No, yes, I hear I you. I agree. Um, <laughs> and, guys, you can always find me on social media to support Natalie Zamudio's pursuit of her original and birthright Twitter handle, and, of course, all of my own MMA content all the time, MMA Uncaged. I'm at Double G on TV on all social media platforms. And, guys, have a great one. We'll be back next week.